Welcome to the HR Heroes podcast, where we bring you the latest information to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and managers manage their team through COVID-19 and beyond. Listen in as we share leading edge information with experts across a variety of fields, from HR to legal, from negotiation to mental health, and so much more to help you not just survive, but thrive through the pandemic. And here now is your host, Natasha Hawker. We are thrilled to have three experts that have been studying the JobKeeper space for weeks now, which in JobKeeper pandemic years is years. Um, So first of all, we have Ben Walker, who founded Inspire CA at the age of 23 with nothing but a borrowed printer, a laptop and a simple idea. What if, instead of just doing tax and reporting on history, accountants could give game-changing advice that could help people write a better future for their business and for their family. Then we have Danny. Danny is the founder and managing director of Danny King Legal and is a leading lawyer in employment and industrial relations. Danny understands the thrill of business growth and the terror of needing to trust employees not to hurt you at the end of the relationship. Charging in to fix an unfolding drama, steering the situation into a crisis tunity, quote Danny, makes her world go round. Tracy is one of our senior employee experts with over 15 years experience, but her current nickname is our COVID-19 queen. Not that she likes this name, but she has been buried in this type of work and the impacts for weeks now. She's worked predominantly in the health and wellbeing and retail industry and our clients absolutely love her. So what we've done in this bonus episode is we literally decided to record this yesterday, I've recorded it today and are releasing it tomorrow. JobKeeper is going to be an absolute game changer for business and you need to hear from these three guys and that's what we're bringing you today. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Welcome team. I am so excited to have you all here today to help our heroes understand the JobKeeper scheme and see how this can work for them. In the world of COVID-19, You snooze, you lose, and you need to be innovative. So there has never been a better time for me to get you three in a virtual room to thrash this one out. Business owners, entrepreneurs, and managers plus employees need to understand the JobKeeper scheme from an accounting, legal, and HR perspective. Just to be clear, super clear for our overseas listeners, this episode is really only relevant for the Australian workplace, but you're very welcome to join us for the ride, as always. So last week, the Australian government announced and passed into legislation the JobKeeper Scheme, a wage subsidy program, which is worth a whopping $130 billion. It's anticipated that 6 million working Australians are going to need the program. This support has the potential to be an absolute game changer for many businesses across Australia, but there are complexities in the implementation, which we're going to talk through today. So I am super excited. Welcome, Tracy, Danny and Ben. G'day. (laughs) Really (laughs) pleased to have you guys here. Um, So we're going to start with Danny. um, And obviously, you're a lawyer. Can you share with us a high level view of the legislation? And what is it trying to achieve in your view? Thanks. Uh, Quick disclaimer, this is not legal advice. You'll need to do that in a, a proper way, but here is your cheat sheet yes. of the, uh, the high-level stuff. So the point is about keeping employment as a viable option for businesses that 
in normal conditions uh, would be subject to the, the business Darwinism if you can't cut it so close up. So instead of paying money to former employees through a a social welfare system when you've got unemployment and it's a a knock-on effect, you've got one person unemployed, there's a a likelihood that they might stay unemployed. Instead of that, it's supporting business to keep people employed even if they're not doing what they would ordinarily do. Mm. And the... The hard-won protections over our hundreds of years of industrial disputes that have mm. led to uh, all of the things that we, well, the hoops that we have to jump through as HR and legal advisors in this space, um, they're they're very rigid. And so, in addition to the cash, there's also quite a bit of flexibility that's coming in to help employers change and retool their existing employees into new ways of and times of doing things so at a very high level that's it so what do you see as the potential upsides of job keeper the job keeper scheme ah so many i'm super impressed by the the package itself it's a huge cash splash but there's also a lot of power that's being given to employers for this but also uh, despite the, the noise in the media about casual access to it. It's also incredibly generous. It's open, for instance, to people on parental leave that are on unpaid leave. So mm. all of a sudden, they're going to be getting this additional payment, which from a feminist perspective is great. Yeah. More money going through to traditionally a, a woman's uh, period of unpaid leave. I think there's also a, a real freedom that comes from cash flow relief of this nature to employers to think it's okay for these particular people that are getting the subsidy to not necessarily be the revenue generation engines that they traditionally are and instead we can relax into it a little bit and have some fun with trying to be creative. What is it that we can do differently? How can we make a little bit of money in this time as opposed to the lot of money we're used to making? And also how can we help in the broader social enterprise? We're all part of a community. The community's funding this. Mm. So how can we give back? I love hearing that there are football clubs in Queensland that have, or maybe the Central Coast, they have directed their players to go out and just do jobs in the community, deliver groceries, mow lawns. Um, so there's there's a really kind of generous spirit that's coming with this for the people that are keen to take it up. So there's, for me, there's a lot of upsides. What about well. downside? What are the potential risks with this piece of legislation? Oh, as with any legislation... Uh, it's got a lot of words in it and it's written by lawyers and we like to talk a lot and use a lot of words and it's amending existing legislation which already has a lot of words in it and a lot of rules and in in the way it's been done you've got to overlap these two instruments and work out how it's going to apply so just as a a basic access to, to justice threshold, I think there's a real problem <laughs> yeah. with working out what 
is actually there. I mean, I've got a team of literal employment lawyers looking at it every day going, okay, so now I understand this bit, let's move on to the next bit. So it's wow. not easy. Um, I think also it's, it's an all or nothing eligibility issue and there are very scary consequences for people who are claiming it that aren't eligible. Now is not the time to take the piss. Mm. Don't be adjusting your records to try and inflate figures here, add secret new employees there. Think, oh, I was paying this person cash off the books, but yeah. now <laughs> I'm yeah. going to start legitimizing this relationship and let's pretend it started just before the deadline. So there are things um, that are going to be appealing to a lot of businesses that you just should not do. The ATO's access to data uh, is phenomenal. And yeah. It's chances of getting caught. So in many ways, all of those people who have had cash work that haven't been paying their taxes. I was about to, to say, fair, pay your bloody tax. Exactly. This <laughs> is going to be paid for by the taxpayer. So that raises a good point. I've heard Fair Work is likely to be fairly busy after this is rolled out. What are the potential reasons for that? The poor old commission. Uh, they are one of the hardest working workplaces in the country I, I think the federal court also hats off or any court our judiciary is massively underfunded and uh, we become more and more litigious and I, I really feel for the workloads of judges it's currently it's at a crisis point mm -hmm. um, so I haven't actually paid enough attention to see whether they've injected more resources mm -hmm. into the tribunal but they are already struggling to keep up with ordinary garden variety work mm. and on the garden variety side there is absolutely going to be a spike there's going to be uh, with any change that happens in a workplace you've got the opportunity to have a dispute and, and an employment dispute around how someone was stood down whether there was a genuine basis for a redundancy if there's an unfair dismissal just because we've got the the COVID circumstances um, doesn't mean that you have a free kick and you don't have to consult with your employees that are covered by an instrument at the time of making someone redundant. So mm -hmm. I think the unfair dismissal exposure spikes, the general protections exposure spikes, although they've got a more administrative role in managing those claims. Uh, in addition, there's the ability to apply to the commission to have the severance component of a termination payment and there were two decisions released on the same day where one commissioner said, yes, uh, you can reduce the payment out to that particular employee and another one said, no, you've got to pay mm. the full amount. So I think people are going to start actually using those provisions that were very rarely touched before. But in addition, there's this whole new bundle of uh, litigation or review mechanism that comes under the JobKeeper changes that mean that where an employer and an employee don't agree and that agreement is unreasonable on one side, you can mm. apply for it to be reviewed. Mm. And so there's new forms that we haven't seen yet. Yep. <laughs> There's a bunch of new um, things that employment lawyers will get really excited about because we just love turning up to the commission and thrashing out new points of law because we've got to get out more often. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yeah, that's, that's where it comes from. It's, it's going to be huge. So I know that you personally see this and to quote you as a crisis tunity. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? I mean that there's a silver lining if we've got enough resilience and growth mindset to nut it out. And if business can just pause, stop the panic and carefully tease out what's available, how they can leverage it and think through uh, an actual delivery mechanism to take advantage of what's happening right now, that's the point of all of these measures and there's a lot of good. Even businesses that are feeling completely at the wall, there is a lot of good that can be done and should be done with this contribution that the community is making into small business because this is, or small and medium business, Mm. this is our biggest employer. And if we lose that layer of enterprise as a country, we are going to suffer. It's 97% or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Let's let's muck in and do something awesome together and and be nimble and retool. Great. Love it. Thank you, Danny. Ben, were you surprised uh, by the level of government intervention here? And what are you seeing from the ATO? Yeah, great question. And, and, and yes, I'm definitely surprised, but in a, in a positive sense, uh, with how much the government's done um, over the last month. I think there's been sort of three distinct rounds of stimulus packages announced, uh, and they, they get bigger and better each time, uh, with that third one being the, the JobKeeper package. Um, and, and they complement each other rather well too. So I think I, I actually think our government's done a great job in a very short amount of time under an immense amount of pressure to, to get something that, um, that's going to be working for, for many, many people. Um, in, in terms of the, uh, the ATO, uh, what we're seeing is the ATO is really, really, um, uh, maybe lenient's not the right word, but uh, empathetic at the moment um, to business owners. Uh, and I know that they're, they're not usually associated with being nice or, and, and that sort of thing, but I, you know, I think we need to look past that and say that you know, at the end of the day, that all they're doing is trying to get a job, which is collecting what, uh, what we owe them. Um, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're, they're going to be playing a pivotal role in this as well. Uh, given that uh, you know, the JobKeeper package and even some of the other stimulus measures are administered via the ATO through the businesses, um, and so you know, we need to uh, we need to put that sort of bad taste in the mouth aside uh, and, and work with uh, work with the people. Because um, and and yeah, even for normal circumstances like payments that you owe to them or interest and lodgement dates, uh, all we're seeing is is quite lenient and, and uh, enormously flexible. Yes, absolutely. Um, what are you expecting to see, Ben, as the in terms of the business impacts as a result of the JobKeeper scheme? Given that you look under the hood, quite literally, it's one of your product <laughs> names from memory, um, with a lot of small businesses and know their numbers intimately, with mm. this injection into business and then ultimately to their employees, what do you see is going to be the impact for business? Yeah, um, great, great question. I think it really depends on the industry and also the, the, the mindset of the person who's running the business. Uh, I think there was those first sort of two weeks when the whole of Australia felt like it was in just uh, in, in, in insanity mode and people didn't know what way it was up. Uh, I think we've passed that initial shock and now we're kind of getting used to this new normal where no one knows whether it's the next few weeks or a few months or even uh, more so towards the end of this year that we'll 
be living in these sort of lockdown conditions. Um, but I think we're we're all starting to um, to kind of look past that and, and and get back to you know how do we make the best of this situation? And I think that's probably the the, the main majority. Um, there is a small few of, of our clients and and a few industries, and I don't want to downplay how many people have been massively negatively affected. That's not what I'm saying, but I actually don't think it's as big as uh, as big as what uh, we sometimes think it is, um, that there is a, a handful of industries who have been like wiped clean. Think of you know Virgin International Travel. Like that's it's just gone. Um, like there's there's some key industries like that, or industries that have been forced to close their doors. Um, but I even think some of them have tried to make the best of the situation. Think of um, you know beauty therapists or or gyms like the big commercial gyms, uh, but they're still trying to do virtual training and things like that. So. Um, so they're still you know, giving it the best crack at, at making it through these times. Um, and then you've got uh, also a very small uh, group of people who are, their business has gone through the roof in this time. Yeah. Um, think of people like Zoom, uh, you know, their shares, I don't know, I can't remember, it looked like it quadrupled in the last few months. Um, I, I, I don't know the exact figure, uh, but that's what it looked like on the graph. Mm. Uh, and uh, we've got a client who uh, imports toilet paper and, um, and he was the first... Um, phone call that one of our team members had in weeks where it was like yeah i'm doing really well i'm having i'm having a wow of a time oh wow look there's always a silver lining for every situation what um or how can a business ensure that they qualify for the program and and with and daddy gave us some very clear review and i know you said the same thing to me offline that business needs to be careful around how they qualify and make sure they qualify for the program yeah, absolutely, and, and, and I want to echo um, echo those points there. Where um, the ATO and the government's been really generous, but they have also at the same time sent warnings, especially to tax practitioners and accountants, uh, where they've said if, if you're going to take part in scheming, how you can look the most of this, and uh, and and it's you know it's beyond what the measures suggest, then um, then you know we're going to get on to you. Uh, they're sort of firing shots across the bow, so to speak. Uh, and, and I've got emails myself straight from the tax practitioners board to, to say that. Um, there's also um, <laughs> there's a lot of accountants also keeping other accountants accountable. That's a lot of words that sound the same in the same sentence. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say other accounting firms uh, keeping an eye on what everyone else is doing to make sure no one's going to do the wrong thing. You know? uh, so, um, so I think it's a good encouragement for business owners to not uh, to, to not take the piss. I, I, I think that's the worst thing you can do at the moment. Um, so some impacts of that that they've said are, um, you know, we, we, we find you, uh, we can, instead of giving you what you're entitled to anyway, well, let's say you claim more than what you're entitled to, instead of reducing that to what you're entitled to, you'll get nothing. Uh, like just, you know, we're not going to help you at all. Um, so just watch it and um, mm. do the right thing. Um, Which is what we should all be doing. Um, what about employees? What do you see as the benefit for employees from your perspective? Yeah, and um, so, well, the benefits to both the employees and the employers is that the, the, the whole idea of this is that we can all go on a pause for, for a few months, still be able to put food on the table, and at the end of this um, semi-nightmare, uh, we can go back to normal, hopefully. Um, and so I think that the benefits are people will still be employed on the other side of, of this, but also businesses will have their doors still remaining open, uh, or at least a good majority of them, um, thanks to some of these measures, uh, which is great. And I think you raise a really good point, because even from a psychological viewpoint, even if people are on reduced hours or reduced 
different duties. Psychologically, having a job and having mm. that security versus having to queue up and get your Centrelink payment, that's yes. a very different mindset. And I think from a mental health perspective, from a country perspective, I think that's going to be maybe not measured but um, hugely beneficial. Yeah, I think they did a really great job when um, uh, I think it was after the sec after the job seeker package was sort of um, that they broadened the scope of that. I think in the first or second stimulus release, uh, and then what you saw is a whole heap of people were let go, and then on TV you saw the, the satellite lines around the corner. I think that was in Bondi. Mm. Um, we saw those images there, and um, and so I think. You know, a week and a half later, they, they came up with the JobKeeper program where it was all administered through the employers, including people who had been let go over the last few weeks if the business is willing to sort of rehire them in a sense and, and pay them that JobKeeper allowance, which is um, fantastic. Like it takes the pressure off Centrelink. Uh, for, you know, they're already, you know, um, they're already under-resourced as it mm. is, but you throw this COVID-19 stuff into the mix and, yeah, the lines will be out the doors and people will be lining up. Kilometres. So we touched on what some of the risks are and, and the fact that the scheme, whilst it's not necessarily open for a boost, because let's face it, um, with um, the government has more visibility to our numbers than ever before with one touch yeah. payroll. Um, but how do businesses qualify? What's the, the quick way they can make sure they're on the list? Yeah, so broadly, um, what, what the ATO is looking for, what the government's looking for is any businesses whose turnover has gone down by 30% or more. Uh, and that's for businesses under a billion dollars in turnover. So most, most, well, pretty much every small business <laughs> under a bill. Um, and so if you're under, if, you, if your turnover has gone down by more than 30%, now in terms of the comparative period, um, this is where it gets a little bit vague and tricky. But they basically say compare a month or a quarter now to a month or a quarter last year. And I know that people might have bought or sold a business over that time or uh, you know, have massive growth and things like that. Um, like there's, and, and the ATO have also said, look, if you think you've got um, some weird situations where you're ineligible but you think you should be eligible, just let us know what, what they are and, and we'll consider it. We'll so they do have it. discretion, yeah, to, to sort of add people's eligibility if you, if you fail on the... It sounds to me that they're a bit more flexible on the employer eligibility than on the employee eligibility. Is that fair to say or am I having the wrong impression there? With the employee eligibility, and I know that it's looked bad from an um, you know, Australian perspective as in, you know, because broadly it is just for Australians uh, and the people who miss out are you know, people who are in Australia on things like 457 visas or student visas that are not eligible. Um, and, and I know that this is where our Prime Minister and the government have been attacked a bit and saying, hey, what about you know, these people who still add value? And yes, they add value, uh, but you know, the Australian government's there to primarily provide for the Australian population. So, um, yeah, uh, there's, sort of, there's sort of the um, that element to it. But in terms of eligibility in general, what they're looking for is um, permanent or full-time employees or, or casuals who've been with the business for more than 12 months. And so that's kind of the key things. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's some conditions which you may not be eligible. So if you're, uh, if you're, if you're younger than 16 years old, um, you know, if you're, yeah, there's a few other things that you, you yeah. need to run through. But, um, but, but I'd say it's, it's fairly broad. It is. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Thanks for that, Ben. I think now would be a really good time just to pause the podcast for a moment. 
There are so many people suffering in the world from COVID-19, but because of you, wherever or whenever you decided to listen to HR Heroes, you have changed the world for the better. Through our lifetime membership of B1G1, for every download we get, you are helping Indigenous kids to get access to an Outback IT Learning Hub to improve their English and IT skills, creating the employees of the future. Uh, let's go to Tracy, our HR or employee expert, as we like to call it. Tracy, this is a massive piece of work for businesses to fully understand and implement in terms of the JobKeeper scheme. What do you see as some of the challenges from a HR perspective? Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that there's three different experts on this call today, um, all with areas of expertise, all trying to puzzle together this scheme um, truly highlights how complex it is. Uh, so it's very multifaceted. Um, there are a lot of boxes that need to be ticked um, across various functions in the business, um, needing to be across the numbers, people, and all those processes that underpin it. Um, so it's going to, there's a lot that needs to happen to successfully implement it and not put your business at risk. Um, and I think on the flip side of that, uh, getting your employees to understand this the scheme as well. They're very much just seeing this $1,500 payment um, and not fully understanding um, that that is just really just one part of the scheme in its entirety. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at it from a logistics point of view of going through all the employees that you've got and working out who qualifies, who might qualify, who definitely doesn't qualify, is a big piece of work there. What do you see as the opportunities with a successful implementation of the scheme? Look, from an HR perspective, uh, what we have seen over the last month or so has been nothing short of a complete bloodbath out there, um, you know, with a lot of panic and some very, very reactive behaviour from businesses, uh, which sadly resulted in, you know, a lot of people losing their jobs um, and, you know, that media coverage of people lined up outside the Centrelink offices. Mm -hmm. um, the reality is the scheme will save businesses and it will save many, many jobs. Um, I think it allows eligible businesses to be really measured in their approach um, and try to carefully sort of facilitate life now and beyond the crisis. Mm. Um, one thing that, you know, I've talked a lot about um, and, and my colleagues are the same is that true leaders are really shining through this crisis, um, you know, with lovely halos on their head. And the bad leaders are really flouting about and they're the ones exhibiting some truly awful behaviour. Um, and I think the same will go with implementation of this, this scheme. You know, there is a real opportunity here for businesses to take their employees on this journey, do it right, engage with their um, employees and really start positioning your business so it can quickly bounce back when all of this is over and a distant memory. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, the obvious um, potential benefit for businesses or ROI is if, you, if your employer is able to retain you through this and it keeps a roof over your head, it keeps your family fed, I would argue there's going to be a fair bit of loyalty and engagement that comes along with that, you know. Absolutely. People yeah. are worried. They're scared. And whether they admit it or not, they're scared. So... Okay, what about consultation? That is, in my view, from what I've read today, it's a huge part of this scheme. What is consultation and why is it important for businesses to do this part? 
yeah, consultation is absolutely huge. Um, and, and it's all about engaging with your employees. It's all about discussing any potential changes um, and truly considering an employee's point of view and any suggestions that they may have. Um, look, a consultation process will take some time and investment, um, investment of your time, sorry, uh, but it absolutely encourages cooperation, engagement, and it has a huge number of benefits when it's done correctly. Um, and what I would say is while consultation is a, a legal requirement, um, the way in which you communicate with your staff and the way in which you go about this consultation process um, can absolutely make the biggest difference. Um, you know, truly, you know, engaging on an emotional level with your employees through these processes can, you know, result in all sorts of wonderful benefits like increased productivity, as you said before, loyalty, um, you know, the list is endless. Mm. What about getting employees to do different types of work? How does that work? Look, essentially, if you can't reasonably utilise your employees in the role they are currently employed, and that therefore jeopardises their employment, um, but you have other duties uh, that they can be utilised in that are obviously safe and reasonable um, and within an employee's level of skill and qualification, then absolutely, you know, there's an opportunity here to move people around. Um, but, you know, it has to be reasonable um, and it has to sort of be where an employee's job really requires it. You know, their, their ongoing employment is, you know, is going, to, is going to mean that they keep their job, essentially. Um, and obviously, it has to be within the scope of the business. So yeah. we can't go and create, you know, completely different business opportunities. <laughs> yeah, now it's chef. Yeah, yeah. Now chef. But, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it can be done and it's, it's great if you can do it. But, yeah, just being so, reasonable about it. You know, the immediate thing for me is, well, that requires me to look at each individual employee based on what they're doing, what the impacts are, so that, you know, it needs to be that tailored so that you can work out what you're doing and how you can maximise this across the business. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. I thank you for that, guys. I'd now like to end by asking you a couple of questions um, and one from your area of expertise. I'll start with Danny here. What's the one thing from a legal perspective that every business owner or manager should be doing now? Look... Slow down. Uh, there's no need to jump headfirst into a massive restructure that's going to terminate everybody. Um, you can always recalibrate in a considered way. So just slow down, but at the same time, don't stop talking to your people. I think there's a, a real... <laughs> perfectionist bent within the community where I'm seeing people scared of having any conversation uh, within the organisation because they don't think they've got the perfect solution yet. So they're holding off and that's just going to allow people to panic. So get ahead of that and tell people I'm working on it. I'm not ignoring it and I'm taking a really measured approach. So that's, that's my key tip. Brilliant. Ben, from your perspective, from an accounting perspective, what's the one thing a business owner or manager should be doing right now? Yeah. Um, so in, in my opinion, uh, people in cash are two of the biggest challenges in business. 
Uh, I'll, I'll leave the both of you with the people side. Yeah. But in terms of the, the cash, I think one of the biggest things that you can do to have certainty and maybe confidence that you're going to make it through these next few months uh, is um, is make a forecast or a budget as best you can uh, to, to see, uh, how, you know, have you got enough cash to, to last through uh, these sort of next few challenging months. Uh, that may give you some certainty around decisions you might need to make uh, as a business owner. Uh, and um, yeah, hopefully reduce your stress levels. At least you, you're knowing what the answer is around it, rather than uh, guessing or uh, or even fearing what the uh, result might be. What the worst case scenario is. And Tracy, mm. from a HR perspective, what should every business owner or manager be doing yeah. right now? I'm going to have to agree with Danny. Um, communication is key. Um, you need to communicate, communicate, communicate with your employees. Make sure that they're feeling supported, um, and just make sure that you've got the appropriate systems in place to support them. So things like your employee assistance um, program, make sure everyone's got the number and just make sure that you're regularly promoting that to your staff. I think you raise a good point and I'm seeing it with some of our clients. Somebody might be great today, but tomorrow they are not. So you can't just assume one check-in call with your employees, they're all good to go. Um, it's a big issue around mental health. Right, um, so let's talk about what you each see as the greatest opportunity here for business, the economy, employees or society. Over to you, Danny. It's a broad question, I know. You can take your pick. <laughs> Look, I think, it. Uh, I said this to you the other day, I think that we've got this uh, current free kick in terms of as a community, we can all be really generous and supportive with each other. And it almost feels like the Sydney Olympics during that time where everyone was walking around, high-fiving strangers on the street. Now we'd be high-elbowing strangers on the street. Yes. Um, and in in that collaborative, let's reskill, retool, help each other, uh, have this mateship uh, objective about it, I think that it's going to help business, the economy, employees and society mm. if we can maintain a growth mindset yeah. and really try and find crisis opportunities instead of, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not able to cope. Yeah. So help each other out if you see people in despair, of course, uh, and if someone's really in despair, the last thing they want to hear is someone saying, just be positive and think your way out of it, yeah. of course. But I think there's... This is an opportunity for us as a nation to to pull together and leverage all of the the community freedom that we've got to do something a bit different. Great. Love it. Ben, what do you see as the greatest opportunity here for business, the economy, employees or society? Yeah, I think as business owners, we've got a really good opportunity and I've seen so many examples of uh, innovation and, and sort of like overnight business models completely changing, uh, whether it's uh, you know, the gym who has to go from in, uh, physical training or in person to, to online. Uh, I can see that at my own gym, where yeah, they're holding sessions seven o'clock each morning. Uh, but also, uh, even our own business, uh, we uh, I've been talking about launching an online course for quite a few months now, uh, and getting into webinars, and uh, you know, I've basically gone head first into it uh, with with the COVID nineteen um, you know, business continuity course, and, and we, we've had um, you know, hundreds of people join us on webinars, uh, sort of just sort of sharing our expertise and that's um, like that's just our own example of 
almost being forced into innovation through this time. And yeah, I see it as you, you've got no option to do that. Um, so Innovate uh, or die. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but it's also adding immense value. Um, and, yeah, I think that's the, the, the big focus is you're forced to add value to your clients um, in, a, in a way that you haven't before. Yeah. Tracy, what do you see as the greatest opportunity here for business, the economy, employees or society? Yeah, look, I think from an employee perspective, um, how you treat your employees through this crisis will be reflected back on your business when this is all over. Um, and I yeah, could go on about this till the, till the cows come home, I think. Um, you know, treat them badly now um, and they're going to be less productive um, and less likely to get back on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Treat them well. They'll be on the journey and they'll be really motivated to support the business to bounce back really fast. Um, obviously, the result in that will be building an amazing amount of loyalty with your staff and engagement and this will take your business a really, really long way when this is all over. Absolutely. So to each of you, what about post-COVID-19? Danny, how do we unravel this sucker? Uh, Look, I don't think there's going to be a magical line in the sand that says, now we're after the COVID and everything's going to go back to normal. Uh, As history tells us, stuff changes and it it changes permanently. Look at post-World War II and the development of the, the working woman as a result of the opportunities that were created out of that complete disastrous adversity. So I think uh, no need to unravel, go on the journey and uh, adapt, thrive and help each other out. Great. Ben, how do you think we're going to go post-COVID-19? How do we recover from it? Um, I, think, um, I think as businesses we're already there. Uh, as in, we're already in a, in a new normal, uh, and I don't think, unless you, your doors are physically shut at the moment, and in the future they'll reopen. Uh, I think that's kind of obvious that you'll go back to some sort of uh, bricks and mortar um, business. Uh, but I think at the moment uh, we're, we're all in this new normal together, um, and we've yeah, we've just got to make the most of it. Like I've, I've just seen so many cool examples, even um, you know, build, builder clients that we've got are starting to get sales inquiries again uh, as of sort of late last week uh, where, uh, where people are looking to build houses again um, and, and they're just going to you know, meet with people differently and um, you know, the sales process is going to be different. Um, obviously, you need to go to work to build a house, but you know, I think their uh, construction hasn't stopped. Which no, is so not cool at all. Our, our building clients are going great guns. Yeah. No pause. Yeah. That's yeah. That's it's pretty. It's pretty cool to see that. Um, yeah, and and so I think uh, you know, as as we start to reopen and, and these lockdown measures start to come off, then um, it, we we will be uh, maybe going back to normal, but in just a slightly different way. Yeah, um, different processes might look differently, and I mean, maybe we might value travel differently as well. Um, I think that's a. I think that's a valid point, Tracy. How do you think we're going to go post COVID nineteen? Yeah, I think our return to normal is going to be gradual. Um, I don't think we have a magic wand that's going to take us out of this very, very strange situation that we found ourselves in. I think it's going to take some time. Um, And I just think we just all need to remain really measured and balanced where we can, um, you know, keep innovating, um, keep pivoting where we can. And above all else, um, I think be positive, look after each other and just be kind to one another. 
I think that's great advice. Well, as always, guys, I enjoy hanging out with you and I know our audience will have gained enormous value from this episode. We literally decided we were doing this yesterday. We're recording it today and we're hopefully going to have it loaded up tonight. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they best do that, Denny? Look, I think that at, at this time, if you want to start workshopping options, you need a multifaceted approach. You need to understand what your financial constraints are, where your cash is going to sit, how much you can afford and whether, for instance, you will need to reduce your overall wages bill to JobKeeper alone. And so there's a lot of change that comes with that. If you need to put a big fat pause on the entire thing and stand everybody down, you know, these are big financial decisions that I think you need a dedicated spotlight on before you can make any decisions about legal mm. happy to jump in um and then when you do talk to legal that's a strategy session it's not the deployment of the the changes that need to happen that's why you need great hr so i'm very glad you asked this question <laughs> natasha because let me tell you about a solution that you yourself came up with that i'm very pleased to be involved in <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a people plan that is carefully considered and gives you the expert guidance with the money, legal and HR support to get you started on the right path. And uh, the name of it, I'm not sure if we have a name. Are we, can we launch that now, Ben? We're calling it the Business Stimulus Relief Package. Yeah, Excellent. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So the business stimulus relief package, which is priced at just one JobKeeper payment, 1500 bucks XGST. And with that, you are going to have exclusive dedicated access of three professionals that will work together to set you up for success. All you have to do is call our specialist onboarding team. They'll take your details. They'll ask you the questions that all three providers will need to know. And then you will go on a really gentle guided journey. It's kind of like the, um, it's a small world ride mm. Uh, mm. at Disneyland where you're going to go through first accounting, and this doesn't mean we're replacing your existing accountant. You're just going to have a very, uh, very close look at the stimulus-related issues and how we can leverage that to support the next stages of your people plan. So you go gently from accounting into legal where you'll speak with a member of my team who will be prepared on what kind of an outcome we need to achieve and then you will be workshopped over the course of an hour to figure out what kind of solutions are going to work best in your business. Do we need to lean on the changes to long service leave provisions or the annual leave changes? Are we looking at needing to reduce wages or is it more along the lines of a total stand down all of these things are possible these days and more we've just got to work out what's going to be the right fit for your business and it's it's not a user a, a one size fits all mm. proposition and i think uh also the the laws are so complicated uh, we've got a cheat sheet that is continuously being updated by all 13 of us and we're struggling to keep up so mm. you're going to have the benefit of someone telling you 
yes, you can do that, but this might be better and workshop that. And as a result of the, the legal analysis, you'll get a work plan and the documentation that needs to be developed to support that. And that's where Brilliant HR comes in and you will have the tools that you need to be able to deliver on this very well-reasoned, business-appropriate people plan. And Ben, tell us one more time, what's it called? <laughs> the Business Stimulus Relief Package. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is excellent. Well done. What we'll do at the bottom of this show notes is we'll have some contact details where you can get a, a link to a landing page and also how to contact us if that's of interest and value to you. Um, but I just wanted to say well done, everyone. Uh, keep safe. Keep well. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and uh, let's work through JobKeeper and make Australia what it could be. I'm Natasha Hawker, and remember your employees really do matter. You've been listening to the HR Heroes podcast with Natasha Hawker. And if you would like access to the episode notes and other resources, or to find subscription options, you can find us at employeematters.com.au forward slash podcast. The HR Heroes podcast is proud to be lifetime members of B1G1.